What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, folks? Today, we're joined by Bobby Tishy. He's co-founder and chief solutions officer at Stitch. Bobby's a highly respected MarTech veteran, having spent over a decade working in technical roles for some of the biggest names in MarTech. He spent a combined six and a half years working on the professional services teams at arguably two of the most well-known companies in MarTech, Salesforce and Marketo, where he was able to lead and support countless implementation projects for some of the biggest brands in the world. At Salesforce, he focused on marketing cloud technical and functional architecture. And at Marketo, he focused on project and program management. But in 2016, he left the in-house world and jumped into the agency side of MarTech, working at Lev, a premier Salesforce consultancy, for six and a half years where he focused on marketing and enterprise architecture solutions. He also co-founded the In the Clouds podcast, a show about Salesforce marketing cloud. And last year, after Lev was acquired by Cognizant, he co-founded Stitch, leading their solutions team. Stitch is a new MarTech consultancy that specializes in segment and braze tech stacks. Uh, but yeah, we're excited to chat with Bobby today. He's an expert in all things marketing technology architecture, customer data platforms, customer journeys, and Dachshund dogs as the proud dog dad of three. Bobby, welcome to the show. Pumped to chat with you today, man. I feel a little bit like George Costanza. I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan or not, but where <laughs> yeah, he's that episode where he says, you know, if you condense everything I've ever done into one like little, little blurb, it's decent. That didn't sound too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love to start by, um, yeah, I think your your experience is fascinating. Uh, those two big companies obviously stick out and go in that like in-house to, to agency side of it is a, a really cool transition. So I'd love to ask you just like maybe pros and cons of both sides of working in-house and, and going the, the consultant route after that and maybe getting the inside scoop on going from Salesforce to Arch Nemesis Marketo a couple of years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I think the, the easiest way to think about agency versus in-house is when I was at Salesforce and Marketo, you're really just focused on the specific problem as it relates to the technology. So that might be implementing um, you know, Salesforce Marketing Cloud or implementing Marketo for a particular customer. But when we're on the consulting side or the consultancy side, you're really more focused on the customer. So what, what problem are we trying to solve? It's much more about business problems and outcomes than it is technology problems and outcomes. That's probably the best way to think about it, or at least the, the biggest delineation that I've seen over the years, which the consulting side is so much more fun and so much more complex. It has each has its own challenges. Um, but that's probably the, the best way I would describe it. Gotcha. And like the the switch from exact target when you were at uh, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, right? Like, did you think of that when you like went to, to Marketo or Adobe at the time? Like, was it, did, did you see it as like an arch nemesis move? I think I, I was so naive at that point. I had no clue <laughs> that it was like, you know, now it would be like going from Brace to Iterable or, yeah. you know, something along those lines. And it was interesting because I even remember at the time, once I got to Marketo, there were all these kind of rumblings. You never know if they were founded or not. But, you know, when exact target got acquired by Salesforce, was it, um, you know, who were the other bidders? And I, I don't know if you ever listened to the Acquired podcast, um, but uh, there's an episode of Acquired on exact target. And Scott Dorsey goes through like that whole process. 
which is pretty neat. And then he mentions in the the SEC filings, they actually have to disclose. They don't disclose the actual companies, but you can kind of deduce who it was. Mm-hmm. It's kind of neat to go through. But anyway, when I got to Marketo, uh, there was like all this um, uh, conversation about Salesforce because the Salesforce and Marketo integration at the time was market leading as far as market automation platforms were concerned. And the exact target and Salesforce integration was not all that great at the time. Mm. Now, obviously that's totally flipped, but at the time it was interesting because I remember my first few projects on Marketo and Salesforce, I would kind of throw exact target under the bus a little bit with the horrible <laughs> integration they had with Salesforce, even though they were part of the same company. Um, but I, I had no idea to your point, kind of like the political elements of it at the time. Okay, interesting. How, like when you were at Exact Target or, or Marketing Cloud, like did you ever like before making the switch to Marketo, like play around with Marketo? Like did you get a look at the the UI before? Like I, I spent like the first four years of my career at a, like working with a, a company that was using Pardot at the time, like after the Exact Target uh, acquisition, and then my next company after that was using Marketo, and I had never played around with Marketo before. Just kind of like only looked at a couple like screenshots and stuff like that, but like. Obviously, like similar capabilities and functionality, but like such a drastically different user, oh yeah, uh, user interface, and like still super slow to catch up to a lot of these other tools. Yeah. still, right. Well, and also too, I still, I still feel this way. Marketo's like naming conventions and nomenclature is so different than any other platform, like smart yeah. campaigns and um, like revenue. Uh, I think it was revenue cycle analytic or attribution, like RCA. I think that's yeah. what that product was called, but. Um, so yeah, it was it was a big learning curve. Um, but once like once you get a, a handle on how the data model works, it becomes a little bit easier. But yeah, I, I hadn't so I hadn't seen the platform before. I, I was just ready for. I've been at Exact Target since um, it was my first job, and so I was just looking for a change. And um, and it was an interesting couple of years. I mean, there was a lot of uh, a lot of interesting elements of the platform because Marketo was really started as an SMB type of platform for, for B2B marketing. And then as they started to try to go up market, once they were trying to get acquired and then obviously resold again, but they were really trying to get into the Microsofts of the world, which happened while I was there. So it was really interesting being on the services side of that because you'd have, you know, half your customers loved the platform because they were kind of in that niche market that, that should use Marketo. And then the other half were large enterprises that were struggling with the data challenges. But I know that the backend infrastructure of that has changed. So I don't think as many of those problems are, are as bad or as prevalent, but there's some things that Marketo is really good at, but just like any MarTech, right? Like we all try to um, probably get sold on or, or pushed things that are in a different way or you know the square peg round hole type yeah. of situation. Yeah, no, that's a fascinating transition. And like, uh, I'd love to ask you the same question for for Braze now, right? Like you went from Marketing Cloud to Marketo before going back to Marketing Cloud kind of focused agency. But I know at Lev, like you you played around with other tools. It wasn't just Marketing Cloud, right? Um, did you get a chance to to play with Braze before you uh, kind of co-founded Stitch and, and are now like almost uniquely focusing on, on Braze? Yeah, so we uh, had a couple of, of large enterprise media entertainment customers that were leveraging both Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Braze. Okay. And so they would use Salesforce Marketing Cloud for journey orchestration and email and then Braze for mobile because uh, the mobile capabilities mm-hmm. were so much better. The UI is a little bit better too, especially for marketers. 
And so that was our first introduction to that platform. And then as, as we were leaving Lev and trying to figure out what we were going to do next, everyone that we talked to, uh, people from Movable Inc., people from Salesforce, you know, sales leaders there, um, and other people in the MarTech ecosystem, all of them were saying like Braze was really where a lot of the marketers were going because it combined a lot of what we all loved about MarTech, which was the advanced use cases, the power of the data, but combined all that with better usability, more real time, um, better mobile capability. So it just seemed like a perfect marriage of what we had experience in, but then also what was up and coming. Gotcha. Which is kind of interesting to say Braze is up and coming because they're they're an enormous company now, but in right. relation to kind of where some of the other MarTech providers are. Yeah. Like I think from a, uh, like a market share standpoint, like they're, they're still on the upcoming side with like iterable and, and some of these other more user friendly journey builders than, than the, right. the marketers and, and the Salesforce is there. But um, like how, how would you describe like having a chance to work on the client side with like seeing the companies and the types of teams that use Marketos and Salesforces versus the teams that, or the companies that are using Braze and, and some of these other, um, like newer tools, if you will, like, I know oftentimes like those MarTech teams don't really get to decide and you're kind of just like joining the company and you're inheriting that stack. But like, how would you differentiate the companies that use Braze versus like a, a Marketo or a marketing cloud? Yeah, I think the, and these are broad strokes, so they're not um, you know, specific or like universal comments, but I think the number one thing that we've seen for folks who are using Braze is those teams are typically more innovative and fast moving where they're relying on marketers um, to build out campaigns and be in the tool every day and where they, they understand, I, I think the other area of that too is they have the best understanding of their data. Um, so what's really awesome about Braze is this this real-time or event-based architecture, but also the, the ability to, to layer in some of those things. So like one thing that we always came up against, um, whether it was at Marketo or Salesforce Marketing Cloud, was we don't want to bring in all of our PII into the platform. Mm -hmm. And so you started to see, um, like Movable Inc. does a really good job of this, of being able to combine multiple different data sets and then just put to like push out a piece of content or copy that is personalized but movable link doesn't require that pii it's just based on these integrations that are happening in real time and with braze we can do something very similar right where i can call out to my snowflake instance at the time of an email send and i don't have to bring that uh, pii into the platform but i could still populate the pii in the email so there's these like things that are, are really um like fast paced and moving i think the area where like um you know marketo is great on the b2b side we've we, we always saw a lot of customers migrate off of marketo to whether it was salesforce marketing cloud or braze um, because they're trying to use it for b2c campaigns or for high volume campaigns the uh, one example I always like to use, and this is years ago, but I was uh, on the team that was implementing Tesla at Marketo back in, mm -hmm. I think it was 2015. And they were launching their model or in the process of launching their model three. And it took Marketo about eight hours to send about 2 million emails. And so obviously <laughs> I'm sure that's changed, you know, being seven years ago, but at the time was, uh, was a big deal. It took forever. Right. And especially coming from, exact target which was this unbelievable sending engine 
I couldn't believe it took that long. So um, <laughs> suffice to say that was a bit of an escalation on the Tesla side. Damn, that's a super cool project. <laughs> I actually don't know if like it, it's any faster at Marketo these days. I remember like comparing <laughs> how slow it was to just load a smart list or a dynamic list compared oh, yeah. to other tools. I know. And I, I think too that uh, there, there's this, and this is probably not a very nice thing to say, but you know, sometimes like you'll, I've heard comedians say this, like dogs look like their owners. I think Jerry Seinfeld actually mentioned that in one of his comedian <laughs> cars getting off uh, coffee episodes. And like, I think you could say that same analogy for marketing teams represent the platforms they're using. You know, whenever you talk to a team that absolutely loves, you know, Adobe campaign, you know, it's most likely going to be a pretty rigid team that has very, a lot of different data silos and it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like the my stapler type of thing from office space, right? And then you have people who are using um, more innovative or faster moving platforms, and they're much more nimble and flexible. So, you know, like, I, I remember talking with, uh, it was just last week, I was talking with a client of ours, and they have a 14 day email SLA for a campaign which is not horrible, but it's not fast by any means, right? <laughs> and then then we'll have other clients who have a three-day SLA from beginning to end of that email campaign. So it's it's just interesting the different types of teams you see using different types of platforms. Yeah, no kidding. I, I totally agree with that. I'm more of the, the the startup route where like there is no SLA and like we just topple the right. room and like we get something going as if we get possible. that request. Yeah, but yeah, I totally agree. I think that like, um, especially like later in their careers, like MarTech folks who like know what are tools that they're like more excited of, of playing around with, or even people that like want a change and, and like want to try something different, like after Pardot and, and Salesforce, like I wanted to try something else and I joined clothes that were using mm-hmm. segment and they were using customer IO. And so like I got a different taste of like those more upcoming tools. So yeah, it's, it's a good representation of the team because like if you're using something that's a bit dated, like an Eloqua, for example, like. Like, yeah, like it, it's up to you to like make a change in your career if you can't change that tool in your tech stack. So yeah, I think that's a good representation. I like uh, I like that statement. Yeah, I think too the hard part is whenever you meet folks or teams who are are so emphatic about the tools that they're using. Like I think Salesforce is the easy example, easiest example, yeah. right? People love the cartoon characters and um trailhead and like the points like the gaming system which are all unbelievable tactics by salesforce to get people to become huge fans of their brand so it's um it's obviously uh a big feather in their cap but also like this is something we we talk with clients about all the time who are using salesforce crm but they want to use braze because they're currently using marketing cloud and it's not you know the greatest integration the greatest tool and you know, the same way you integrate Salesforce to Salesforce Marketing Cloud is the same way you'd integrate Salesforce to Braze, for example. You're using Salesforce flows in, in the CRM. They've just productized it so it sounds and looks much cooler mm. you know, than it, than it is. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's always interesting talking with different folks who are tied to specific platforms. And it's also tough, too, because the, you know, it's, it's a job security piece of it. Um, as well, like if I if I know Salesforce Marketing Cloud really well, and my company's thinking about moving to Marketo or Braze or whatever it might be, that's a whole new learning curve. Um, so I understand that side of it as well. It's a it's a difficult balance to make sure that you're you're being innovative and moving the team, the company forward, but also making sure that the people that are working on these platforms are set up to succeed. 
Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I think there's a lot more consultancies that specialize in a certain tool like Marketo or Marketing Cloud versus like a MarTech agency that's like a bit more platform agnostic and you maybe have like a bit of a larger team because you need kind of these like architecture specialists in in some of those tools. But um, yeah, I want to I wanna switch gears a little bit. So I've got two options for you. Uh, choose your own adventure here for, for the next set of questions. Um, there's kind of like two topics that are uh, pretty top of mind for, for us on the show right now. We're like building a lot of episodes around AI. Like I know everyone is talking about AI, but like we're really focusing this down on like what are the impacts for marketers and MarTech specifically. So do you want to go down the AI route or do you want to go down the CDP versus composable CDP route is kind of like the the other debate angle that we're, we're doing a lot of work into. So I've got some interesting questions on both, but like, do you want to go AI or CDP? Uh, let's start with AI and then hopefully we'll have time to hit CDP too. Okay, cool. So yeah, obviously like um, everyone is talking about AI right now. We just finished like a four part series uh, about like how to get AI fluent, like what changes you could make in your career to become like future proof a little bit. Like if there is uh, that like fear mongering uh, idea about like jobs being taken over or whatever, but like, do you think that AI will take over the majority of MarTech jobs in like 10, 15 years? Obviously, like not having a crystal ball there, but like, what are your thoughts on the current pace of advancements? And like, should there be a pause like they're advocating for in that open letter? I definitely think there should be a pause. I'm not related to anything regarding MarTech, but I just think that at the rate that innovation is happening, it becomes a little bit scary, especially when some of these AI systems start to get sentient feelings like what we saw come out of Silicon Valley a few months back. So I'm definitely on board for just, you know, taking a brief pause. I think the hard part is, is that, you know, globally, do we fall behind if we take that pause, right? Like I was, um, I heard someone say not too long ago, like, do you, do we think that China is going to take a pause? Do we think Russia is going to take a pause? Right. You know, there's, there's all kinds of other implications to that. I think on the MarTech side, there's, I think it's really exciting for technical marketers. Um, and even for non-technical marketers, for technical marketers, I think things that have become really um, like things that marketers always aspire to do, like um, like ABN testing or optimizing campaigns. You know, historically, marketers are really bad at that, and it's not necessarily their fault. They just don't have the tools to do it. It's kind of like how I feel about attribution. I was uh, I'll never forget. I was in a um, in a meeting, a client meeting. Uh, with one of our uh, senior leaders at Lev and someone at the client asked about attribution and how we solve for that. And he piped in right away and said, attribution's a pipe dream, which I just thought was hilarious. <laughs> uh, but also a little bit true, right? You can do first touch, you could do last touch, you could do equal touch. Like there's there's different ways of looking at it. But I think and my hope is that AI will be able to help with that, that we'll be able to be a little bit smarter and based on the business you're in, the industry you have, do I have a mobile presence? Am I more brick and mortar? Like all these different things, AI will be able to help with. Um, in addition to things like integrations, like just the the little bit of digging down into AI, building out um, like snippets of code, um, that those things will become much easier. I think that on the non-technical side, you know, everything that everything that AI is pulling from is original content, right? Everything that these, these um, algorithms or these machines are being fed 
is all things that, that they're picking up from either the web or from libraries or whatever that might look like. And so I think there, there will always be a need for organic content. On the One of my hopes is, and I don't know if this is an AI solve, um, but my hope is that more marketing becomes more technical, where it becomes less, um, uh, not self-fulfilling, but we just get a, a, a notch deeper into the weeds on some of these different, whether it's a blog article or things like that. I think that's where like podcasts have really helped where we can dive into some of these deep technical, whether it's integrations or feature sets for tools that are just really hard to um, evaluate on your own. If you're going to an RFP, um, I think AI can certainly help with that. Um, right now, but I think it could help in the future to kind of democratize all these different platforms a little bit more for the marketer. I love that advice. I, 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 like some of the the features or like the tooling that you mentioned there is like, I think what a lot of marketers would be excited about AI coming over and, and, and helping with, like, I think AI gets a really bad rep in marketing because the term has been around forever and uh, companies mm-hmm. have just used it without actually it being AI or like even a, a, like a standard level of, of machine learning. But like maybe, um, I know like we're, we're short on time there, but like, I'd love to get your take on um, like for, for marketers listening today, like what advice do you have in terms of, like what they should be learning or doubling down on to future-proof their careers. Like if there is the type of takeover, at least like um, limiting amount of jobs, uh, if AI is able to, to come in and not just like give us tools to allow us to do things differently, but also just like try to convince CEOs and 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 like job promoters that like you don't need a 25 person marketing team anymore to do this. You can just hire these for AI agents and like chat GPT is going to do all the content for you. Like what, what advice do you have for people? Like what, what should they be playing around with? What should they be kind of like playing, uh, like implementing new MarTech stuff? Like how, how should people be adapting as kind of like solution pros for in the MarTech world? Yeah. I think the first portion of it is using it as an ability to learn. I've I've learned a lot about whether it's a platform or different types of marketing strategies through like having conversations with ChatGPT. So I think those things are helpful. Where it's 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 condensed learning, where it's it's doing a really good job of taking all these things that are are publicly available and then deciphering that in a way that's easy to digest. Um, So I think one would be learning. Um, I think the the area where uh, there's a lot of opportunity is in um, propensity modeling where marketers a lot of times are reliant on a data science team. If you don't have a data science team or something like that, I think they can be incredibly helpful. There's at least from what I've seen across any of the, you know, the MAPs or CEPs, there hasn't been a platform that's done this extremely well yet. And I, I imagine that over the next three to five years, will become much better of not only like propensity to buy or propensity to engage, but also, you know, channel optimization. I mean, there's still all kinds of companies out there that are sending emails three times a day because um, they think it drives more revenue than if they send one a day, um, which is probably a whole other podcast that we could dive into. Uh, and then also too, I think that um, on the data front, um, of being able to actually understand your data in a, in a more functional way without the need for a data science team is probably where I see the biggest opportunities for marketers. And then also embracing it, 
don't don't push back on it like there's mm-hmm. not it's you know we're not we're not going back in time you know how can you leverage it to make yourself more efficient but then also make your campaigns um or your strategy more effective as well I love your your point about propensity models there. I think that there's there's some upcoming tools that are going to disrupt this idea of like democratizing machine learning platforms or data pipelines for teams that don't necessarily have like even the first party or, or third party data to like make any use out of like the models mm-hmm. that they were able to build and how like reliable they would be to predict whether someone is going to churn or not. So that'll be like a fascinating space to to keep an eye on but yeah i love your point about like not not fighting it just embracing it learning it and seeing how you can like ride that wave there uh bobby i'll hit you with one one last question there we ask all our guests on on the show and, and this one's a bit of a surprise we didn't prepare for this one but um i love to ask all our guests like how do you stay happy in your career in your personal life with everything that you're balancing on the client side and you're co-founding something now as well how do you balance everything and, and stay happy i spend a lot of time with my wife um, we, uh, we walk together every morning. Um, we go on trips together. We hang out a lot. Uh, she, uh, you know, people say like they may- married their best friend. I don't think most people think that, um, <laughs> but I did. And it's awesome. Um, and she like knows just about, just as much about stitch as I do. So she's yes. like, she's like the combination of like friend, uh, spouse and like manager all in one. Um, which is awesome. Like, I think some people would have a hard time with that, but it's like someone that constantly is like pushing you. Um, but then also the source of, of your happiness to your point as well. That's pretty cool. Nice. I, I love that you mentioned your wife and not the, the three dogs that you have at home. Probably a smart <laughs> move there. <laughs> they're definitely, they're definitely a source of, of happy as well. <laughs> Sweet Bobby. Thanks a lot for your time. Uh, this was a really cool conversation. Uh, y'all keep in, uh, keep in touch with Stitch and uh, excited to see where you guys are building. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure.